0: when you start showing up securely attached and emotionally available, you'll be able to tell right away who's matching you in that way. And then since you don't have expectations and you have high self-worth and you have great beliefs about yourself and you know that a great relationship is available to you.
1: Welcome back, Dr. Morgan, to the Built to Be You community, except for this time. Now you have a book out in the world, and I literally was just telling you, yes, you have it in your hands. That is so beautiful, so exciting, and I'm so excited to just really like work through the book. I was telling you before we hit record that I didn't knew it was coming out in January, but I saw that it came out and I was like, I bought it on my Kindle last night (laughs) and I like binged it. I was just sitting outside. It's like 50 degrees here in Denver today. I was like in the sunshine reading this book. And I was like, wow, this is life. So (laughs) let's Uh, chat. uh, For the person who has not heard your previous episode, they're missing out. I'll make sure to link it in the show notes. But who are you? Who is Dr. Morgan? Kind of what are you all about?
0: Oh, great. I'm I'm so excited to be here and talk with you again. And I loved our last conversation. So excited to get into it again. Um, I'm Dr. Morgan Anderson, clinical psychologist, attachment theory expert, relationship coach. I help women learn how to show up securely attached and have great relationships no matter what their past has been. My big mission is helping anyone get to that place where they have high self-worth and great relationships. Um, And I get to use my clinical background, my personal experience, and my expertise in attachment theory to help anyone heal and attract the relationship they deserve.
1: I I love that. And I feel like my built to you community is like one of two of them. they're the woman who is in their 20s and they feel so behind, like, am I ever going to find my husband? You know, they're on the dating apps, they're putting themselves out there and they can't figure out why it's not sticking. And then I think there is also the woman listening who is in a relationship, feels like it's okay, but not quite certain if it's the one, right? And I know we talked a lot about that on the previous episode that we recorded, but I think one of my favorite stories from your book, and I think will really capture (laughs) kind of where we're going and where you started, is the Pepsi guy. <laughs> the pepsi truck guy so let's talk oh, about man. him uh-huh. <laughs> i think everybody has a pepsi truck guy in their life
0: <laughs> yeah oh man and, and this is true story i mean i can't make this stuff up you know this this was me with my height of my anxious attachment style um and i was very in love with someone who was avoidantly attached um and i was literally chasing a pepsi truck down the street because I thought I saw him. And and that was my, my hyper aware, anxious attachment brain looking for him everywhere. Yeah. And I think I see him and I'm chasing this truck down the street. And then it's like pouring rain and, and I get out and it's, it's not him. Like I had just imagined it. And I actually remember hitting my knees to the ground in that moment. I'm like, I can't do this. I'm so like I thought I'm so crazy. What is wrong with me? Mm-hmm. But it was just my attachment style in action. Right. Um and I was emotionally chasing him as well, not only physically. Um but but this is that crazy anxious avoidant magnetic pull, the anxious avoidant trap that we can get into. Um, And and so many people find themselves only being attracted to emotionally unavailable people um, Mm -hmm. and playing out that terrible attachment dynamic.
1: Yeah, which we'll get all into attachment theories. But I think that just hearing that story, it kind of like normalizes and validates these feelings and these emotions that we experience as women. Even if like the specific situation wasn't to that extreme or to that extent, I feel like every woman listening can really resonate to that emotion of like chasing something that's not reciprocating that energy or that love back. And it kind of just leaves you feeling like, hmm, like, what am I doing here? And part one of your book really focuses on Doing the internal work. So let's talk about kind of the importance of leading with self and why that internal work is important when it comes to relationships and dating and love.
0: Yeah, I think it's so easy for us to blame everything external and to say, like, oh, there's no good ones left. Um, All the good ones are gone. The dating apps are awful. Like, I hear that (laughs) one all the time now "The, the dating apps suck. Um, it's so easy to blame external, but we empower ourselves when we take control over doing our internal work and, and, um, being able to say like, Hey, I have rewired my belief system. Mm -hmm. I have let go of my past. I've created a new framework for love. I've learned how to take care of myself at the highest level, which is that chapter three, where I talk about Ferrari maintenance, you're Mm -hmm. a Ferrari, not a Prius, right? You've learned how to give to yourself at a high level. When you take ownership of that, then you are so empowered and you know that you've done everything in your part. Um, and then you start to attract different people and you're attracted to different Mm -hmm. people. Um, So, so while it's really easy to blame everybody else and not do this internal work, the most empowering thing you can do is actually go internal, look in the mirror and take ownership over who you are and how you're showing up and the stories you're telling yourself about dating and love.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And my Built to Be You listeners know that I am all about putting the ball back in their court and really coming from that place of empowerment and ownership, because it's like, you know, nobody is going to reciprocate or give you the love that you can't give yourself. And I know that we had talked about that on our last episode, too. And I think sometimes we just accept beliefs rather than challenging beliefs. And one thing that you talk about in your book is kind of looking at, you know, generational and going back to, you know, maybe when you first felt that feeling. So let's talk a little bit about how we kind of just accept beliefs as we grow up, as we grow and evolve based on like what we saw our parents doing or what we saw modeled to us or we didn't see modeled to us and how we can kind of work through overcoming almost that like victim mindset of, well, I never saw it demonstrated to me. So how am I supposed to create it? You know?
0: Oh, so good. And this work, um, I really wasn't, I, I would say I didn't really learn this in my clinical psych training. It came to me later in life. It was in going to my Tony Robbins events and getting into NLP and learning about the coaching world and Belief work is so, so powerful, which is why I knew I had to include it in the mm-hmm. book. Um, beliefs develop unconsciously. they A lot of them develop before age seven. And your brain develops beliefs because we need them for survival. Yes. We have to try to make sense of our world and how to be in our world and how to navigate our connections with our caregivers and we develop beliefs that help us maintain connection with our caregivers, which means whatever kind of dynamic that is, we we have beliefs that support having a connection with them. And as a child, you don't get to say, Well, hey, mom, I think it's really unhealthy that we don't express ourselves in a direct and assertive way. You're not like <laughs> six years old and saying that. Right. You just develop whatever beliefs you need to or maintain a connection with her because guess what you need a connection because that's your survival that's your food that's your roof over your head you Mm -hmm. have to have whatever beliefs you need to but then what happens is we become adults and so many of us are still carrying around those beliefs that we needed for survival and they're sabotaging the kind of relationship that we want and we're recreating our childhood types of kind of connections so that's a nutshell of explaining that. (laughs)
1: No, absolutely. And I think that's so powerful. And just one example of why really maybe removing yourself in the dating world or slowing down to like do that internal work is important because I think without that awareness or without that knowledge of, you know, how seven-year-old self is translated into 27-year-old self, you're not able to change or do anything differently, which is The premise of the work that you do, right? It's like, how can we do things differently to produce different results, better relationships, and really embody that woman that we want to be and how we show up into that relationship? So I think that internal work piece, so many people kind of forget, you know, they're bouncing relationship to relationship or hinge date to hinge date or whatever it might be. And so let's talk about the importance. And maybe was there a time in your own dating journey where you? like just took a step back you're like okay I'm done doing this dating thing for a little bit like what did that time period or like that transition look like for you
0: so my my dating life for many years um, was a complete train wreck and I I say that openly now um, after healing and doing so much work and Mm -hmm. I was one of those people who was never single um i was always in a relationship and i always had a plan b so there was kind of like another relationship almost already ready to go mm-hmm. um and then <laughs> and then um i did start to realize i like i had started healing a little bit and i remember i was dating this guy who was really really great he was very securely attached he really wanted to have a great relationship with me And he had planned this weekend trip for us. He bought me this like map and he had marked the spot on the map where he had booked an Airbnb and he had planned all these hiking things for us. And just very thoughtful, kind, good looking, successful. And I did not have feelings for him. I just was like, for whatever reason, I am completely blocked. Like I wanted to, but I could not accept his love and I remember that was a moment for me where I went, Oh my gosh, if it's healthy, available, consistent, securely attached, I'm not attracted to it. And that's not good. And I did at that point, take time off from dating, um, and worked a lot more on embodying the securely attached woman, which of course I talk about in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we all have those moments. And then of course, Early on in my life, I also dated a narcissist, and and that was a time when that ended. Where I threw myself in therapy. So, we have these moments, and you can either sit in them and wallow and just go, "I'm never going to find anyone," or you can use it as fuel to learn how to show up differently.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I I love both those stories in your book because I think it's just so important. Like even if the perfect opportunity is there, but internally you're not ready, you know, it's still not going to work probably, or not be as successful as it could be, which is again, why that internal work part is so important. And one thing that you, like an analogy that you gave in your book about comfort zones and the happiest, most in love, deeply fulfilled version of you, like, do they coexist? So like,
0: do they (laughs) Mm no you have to you have to be willing to get out of your comfort zone mm-hmm. and learn new ways of being because here's the problem if you're anything like me your relationship comfort zone probably had a lot of chaos mm-hmm. and toxic dynamics and poor communication so your your comfort zone is actually not going to serve you at all. And and you really have to get out of it. And and this is unconscious. I just want to throw that out there. You're not like fully aware that chaos is normal. It's, it's It's an unconscious experience.
1: Yeah. I think that's such like a unique perspective though, because when I think of a comfort zone, I think of a place that's like happy and warm and fuzzy, but then it's like when you kind of say like, it's the chaos. It's, you know, the narcissism, it's the abuse, physical, mental, emotional, you know, it's these things that you kind of like tolerate and accept. And like, that is your standard and relationships and dating. And so that's kind of like, I guess how I see it. And that was kind of like an aha moment for me because I was like, wait, this comfort zone is warm and fuzzy, but like not necessarily in a good way.
0: (laughs) And it's so interesting. It's like, if you think about your brain, um, it has a file drawer and it's titled, you know, this is what a relationship is on the drawer, right? And there's all these things in that file cabinet about this is what to expect. This is what to believe. This is how to act. Mm -hmm. And what I want you to do and and what, what you do in the book is you take everything out of that file cabinet and you actually look at it and you decide, okay, what's helping me and what's not and put the things back in that help you. And then maybe you need to add some new models. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most of us go through life and we never examine that file cabinet. And it's yeah. sabotaging us.
1: I actually love that exercise in your book. And like, I have like the template of it kind of sorted out of like you know listing out all of your relationships or people that you've had relationships with in the past whether that's like you know intimate family friends like people that had a significant impact on you and like my list is pretty lengthy so like it's gonna take time I think to pull out (laughs) all of those storage files and really look at them but I think that that's such a powerful perspective to really take the time to analyze because like when you know better, you do better. So when you realize like, did this relationship make me feel safe? Did I feel, you know, loved? How did they make me feel that this really puts again, the ball back in your court. And then you're able to kind of shift your relationships in the future. So I'm really excited to like dive into that exercise. But like I told you before, I want to take the time to do it
0: because I want to do things differently. Yeah. And you know, some of the things that are in the book are inside of the empowered secure love program. And what I love about that is it's for people who are really, really able to self motivate and can do stuff on their own, you will get a ton of value out of the book. Mm -hmm. And then also, if you're going through the book, and you're like, Oh, my gosh, I cannot do this. This is so hard. And you need support. I just want to encourage you to join the Empowered Secure Love program because then we have coaches, we have people to support you, we have community. So we're we're just we're gonna help so many people by um having it all in the book. But if you need support, there's the program. So I'm just gonna throw that out there. Because yeah. it's a lot. Like it is the stuff that's in the book. It's not like easy peasy. Here's a a sentence structure for you to write about what you're grateful for. It's like <laughs> this is like real deep work that's in this book.
1: Yeah. And I think about the woman listening who is ambitious, who is goal-driven, who, you know, does have a big heart, but it's like, you have to lead with self first. And I think our relationships are so foundational to our careers, you know, our families, our friendships. And you know, so I know the woman listening doesn't just want, okay. She's not, you know, just settling for mediocre. She really wants to create those great relationships. And that comes from doing the deep uncomfortable
0: work. (laughs) I love that you mentioned that. Yeah. That, um, we're in this, we're in a new paradigm as women where we Mm -hmm. get to intentionally create our lives and our careers and it's no longer happily ever after Mm -hmm. it's intentionally, ever after we're not forming Mm -hmm. a relationship out of need it's out of desire and want and that means we get to design it and design what we want it to look like so that's exactly who this book is for is that that person who knows that they they don't just want someone just to have someone there but they want a great connected healthy thriving partnership
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. And I think this is like the perfect transition into part two of your book, you know, really talking about the attachment theories and kind of what those look like. And I know in the last podcast episode we did, we really did dive deep into attachment theories and what each of them looked like. So maybe let's just kind of, I don't want to like rush through them, but let's talk about maybe surface level ish. Yeah. While still giving context of attachment theories, because I think about the woman who's listening, who she's like, yeah, you know, like it's intentionally created. It's what I desire, but I'm kind of independent and I don't need no man. And, you know, all (laughs) of those things. And I learned that that's part of an attachment theory. So let's talk about it. (laughs)
0: yes and i will say attachment theory is one of those things that once you understand it you'll never look at dating the same again it it will totally support you and help you in your dating life so i highly um would advise to listen to that last episode too um okay so we have four styles we have anxious attachment avoidant attachment a disorganized attachment style and secure And quick summary is um, anxious attachment is where we've prioritized the relationship needs above our own needs. And we can never feel like we have enough reassurance. So we never quite feel like safe that we're not going to be abandoned or that it's not going to end. We're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. We're imagining we're going to be done with with this person at, at any moment. And it creates a lot of anxiety and stress for us. Um, and we also feel like we're too much and we try to keep things in and things usually bottle up and then you're like exploding. But, um, I, I, I can go on and on, but, um, the next style, avoid an attachment. This is where you, uh, have fears about depending on people. You believe that they'll either let you down or you will let them down so getting close to someone's really scary and it's hard it's hard for you to be close consistently. This is that person who really craves independence and they've used hyper independence as a coping skill and they're probably pretty like proud that they're so independent too. So that's because that that's me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm this working on lot, it. <laughs> this is a lot of modern women where it's mm-hmm. like I don't need anyone. Catch flights, not feelings like I'm, you know, hyper independent and it's hard for me to let my walls down. I don't want anyone to see me cry, like all of that. Right. Um, and this person can also sometimes unconsciously fear losing their freedom. They, they may, may have associated a relationship as a loss of who they are and that they might lose their identity if they're with someone. Yeah. Yeah, that one, to me to a T, I'll own it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, and if you're like, what the heck is my attachment style? You can use the link in my Instagram bio and I have a free quiz and it'll tell you a percentage of your attachment style. So that's helpful too. Sweet, I'll put that in the show notes too because that was, I took that one. (laughs) Yay, okay, good. Um, And then the next style, disorganized attachment style. This is a pendulum swing between anxious and avoidant. And what's important to note about this is, um, these changes are happening pretty quickly. So it's like one moment you have that anxious attachment, fear of abandonment. The next moment you're trying to pull away from your partner and you're like, maybe I should break up with this person. Um, and you have a difficult time with your emotions and being able to express how you feel. And you probably feel like it's so much easier to just be single, um like you this person may be single for years at a time because being in a relationship is just so painful and chaotic mm-hmm. um and this one's usually connected to childhood trauma okay
1: uh Yeah. So I I think a lot of women don't realize that those like tendencies or those behaviors like fall into an attachment theory and are actually closing them off from finding the relationship that they want. So let's talk about secure attachment and then
0: how do we get there? (laughs) Yes. the, The attachment style we all want is secure attachment. And this is where we value ourselves and we value our partners. We Enjoy being close with people. So we're we're happy to have people in our lives that we can depend on. Sorry.
1: Keep going. I'll edit it out.
0: <laughs> yeah. And um with with secure attachment, we can communicate our needs, our wants, our preferences. We're able to set boundaries and relationships feel good to us and we have a great relationship with ourselves and a great relationship with our partners. And, um, it's not that conflict never happens, but we're able to navigate conflict in a healthy way. Uh So, yeah. And then obviously in the book, what I teach a lot about is how to embody the securely attached version of you and, and what that looks like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's more of that like deep work. But I think even, you know, I've heard you talk about these attachment theories in your podcast. I've not read them in the book. We talked about it on my own podcast. And it's like, I feel like I'm just now starting to like understand and conceptualize like how they show up in my own life. And I think about the one listening who kind of feels like almost overwhelmed. It's like, wow, this is way too much information. But I think it's important to realize that like, whether you're 25 or 35, like how many years you spent learning the habits and the beliefs that you have now. And so it's not just going to happen overnight that you just go from avoidant to secure, right? So, how do we slowly step yeah. into that secure attachment style and that woman who, you know, does value and embody herself and the relationship?
0: Such a great question. And all the things we've talked about so far so far will help you with this. So belief systems, beliefs about yourself, um, being able to think about the kind of relationship models you have, um, all of that helps. And then we take it a step further. And I teach people how to use behaviors and thoughts in the moment to change to a securely attached version of you. And specifically in the book, I talk about mindfulness, self-compassion yes, and how to marry that with attachment theory and use it to show up differently in the moment. Because what happens is people say, well, okay, I understand secure attachment. I know how I'm supposed to be. But then I get really triggered in my dating life or my partner does something and oh my gosh, I'm showing up with avoidant attachment or I'm so anxious. So I teach people how to show up differently in the moment using mindfulness, self-compassion and attachment theory. And what's cool, and I don't know if you've done this yet, Mikayla, but um, there's a free meditation. With the book as well.
1: I did see that link. Yeah.
0: Okay. So it's like a mindfulness, self compassion exercise, and then helping you align with the securely attached version of you. And it's five, six minutes long. And then the beautiful thing is the more that you do that and you practice that response, the easier it will be to do it more quickly in the future. Mm -hmm. So maybe it takes you five minutes or 20 or Maybe it even takes you an hour in the beginning. Eventually it'll take you 30 seconds. You'll be able to place your hand over your heart and you will realign with the securely attached version of you. Um, But just as you said, it's not overnight. Mm -hmm. It is this commitment to a practice of how do I support myself um, every time I notice my attachment system showing up in a dysregulated way.
1: Yeah. And there's so many different like um real life, you know, examples that you use for the work and the people that you've worked with that I think are really applicable, which is if you're listening, go get the book, it's fabulous. Um, but specifically, you know, ones of like, you know, acting in the moment based on the emotion rather than like slowing down. And I think about how many times like in past relationships where it's like, they send a text message or they say something or they don't send the text message. And like in that moment you get so worked up. So I think it's just like the book is such a good reminder that section specifically to just like slow down and actually process like, is this how a securely attached version of me would show up? And I think one of the like little exercises you had in there was like creating 10 statements of like embodiment or whatever. I can't remember specifically the verbiage that you use, but I thought that was really like helpful to just like, allow yourself to step out of the moment in the heat of the moment and like really realign. So I'm excited to listen to that meditation yes. too.
0: Every every person who reads the book gets to do that exercise where you create the securely attached version of you. Mm-hmm. This is your this is your alter ego if you had been <laughs> born into a family with ideal parents and you had learned really healthy ways of communicating from day one like how how would this version of you show up in their life. And if if you're lucky, you might know some people that are like that and you can use them as models. But of course I have examples in the book um, and you get to create these 10 core identity statements to embody that securely attached version of you.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And something you talked about that in the same chapter or around that same chapter was repetition compulsion. (laughs) And I thought that that was a really good perspective. So can we chat a little bit about that? and how that oh, yeah. applies to dating.
0: Oh yes. And, and this one, oh my goodness. I mean, for me, learning about this completely changed everything for me. Um, this is the idea that, and it's from Freud actually, which is really fascinating that, cause he had a lot of theories that were not great, but this <laughs> is one of the ones that it's, it's actually verified <laughs> and it's like, it's really great. Um, But this idea that we take our childhood unfinished business, specifically the dynamics that we had with our early caregivers, and we reenact those dynamics in our adult dating lives. And you may go, okay, I've heard that. But what people don't realize is why we do it. And the reason why is that we have an unconscious wish that if this time I enact this dynamic and this time I get a different result, it'll make up for all of the pain and hurt and all of that beliefs about myself. And maybe finally, then I'll prove I'm enough right if this time i have a different outcome aka if this time i get the person to love me it'll make up for everything in the past
1: yeah i i think that's such a powerful perspective because it also comes back to like doing the work and you know healing yourself from the inside out and not placing that externally you know expecting one relationship or one interaction or one date to fix To heal, right? It gets so much more than that. So I just thought that that was, I thought that I really enjoyed that part of the book specifically. And then we talked, you kind of started talking about, you know, we're going through this. We know what secure attachment looks like to us. We know how to embody it, or we're starting to learn and understand, I should say. And we're back in the dating world. And one thing you talked about was expectations versus standards in relationships. And I thought that that in itself was like mind blowing. And I could see it so many times in like my text, my group text messages, like my best girlfriends and like even my own dating life. So let's try a little bit about expectations in dating.
0: This is one of my favorite topics because I mean, I was the queen of this in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, if I matched with somebody and I thought that we had things in common and you know they were over six foot and maybe they were, you know, very <laughs> successful. I would be like planning my wedding before I got to the first date. You know? Absolutely.
1: Yep. Um, so,
0: <laughs> oh, I think every woman listening has done that at one point in her right? life. <laughs> we have, we have. And here's the problem when you show up with expectations or you show up with already an idea of who this person is. Um you rob yourself the experience of being empowered while while you're dating and also just of enjoying dating. Yeah. So, we want to show up with zero expectations as in we have no idea how the date's going to go. We have no idea who this person is, right? Because you can't, dating apps are relationship opportunity tools. They are not relationship <laughs> building tools. You cannot yeah. build a relationship on a dating app. I will say that to my grave. <laughs> we do all kinds of projection and we think we know the person and we we create this idea of who they are. You don't know. You don't know <laughs> until you meet the person and you have the in-person connection. So You have to show up with zero expectations and you want to have clarity on your standards. So I think of it as I have no idea how this is going to go. I'm open to going and being in the presence of another human because that's what we're here to do on this planet. We're here to connect with people. So I'll go, I'll spend 45 minutes on a coffee date with someone, no expectations, and at the same time, I'm clear on my standards. Mm-hmm. So I know that I want someone who values open, honest, direct communication. I, I know I want someone who wants to have a relationship, right? Like that's a clear standard. A lot of us <laughs> have gone out with people who don't even want a relationship. Isn't that funny? So um, a standard is they they want a relationship. I know I want someone who wants to build a family and wants children, right? Like I have clarity on these standards, but I have no expectations that the person sitting across from me is going to meet my standards. Instead, I'm just going to gather the data on them. And if I feel like the standards align and it's a good fit, great. I'll invest more of my emotional energy into them. I'll see them again. And if it's not a match, it's not a match. No big deal. I'll tell them I'm not interested. And then I've reserved the beautiful, precious relationship space in my life for someone who's going to be a better fit.
1: Yes. I, I love all of that. And like that whole time I was reading that, I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Like, how can I apply this into, you know, like full transparency, a 20 something who's single. It's like, you know, I'm not very active in the dating pool right now, but it's like one day when I do decide to jump back in, I want to be able to implement these things. And same with the woman listening, you know, it's like, whether you are actively dating or thinking about dating it's like how can you apply these in real time right that's why we're here that's why you do the work that you do is to help women come from that place of empowerment and like so often people in my group text have been like oh, I'm going on a date with this man I think I'm going to marry him it's like dude you literally have never even met him <laughs> like how, how are you going to say you're going to marry him like why are you sending me your pinterest board of weddings now <laughs>
0: I I love this conversation so much because it makes me um just so happy to see women realize our value because I I want you to realize like your emotional energy the emotional energy of a woman is so beautiful and powerful and it's huge and you need to become an intentional investor If we, if we compared it to like the stock market investing, right. Would you just take all your money and just throw it at the stock market? Like you wouldn't even look into like what kind of stocks or like the history of the companies you just throw it all at the stock market. Like we're doing this in our dating lives and we have to start to realize our energy is more valuable than gold, it is our most precious thing, and we get to invest it intentionally. We get to gather the data on people and see, have they earned our vulnerability and have they earned our emotional investment?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you you know write out those standards and you know your standards and like what you're not willing to fall short of, it almost makes that like, I'm not going to see you again conversation easier because you're like, Hey, you didn't like, not that you have to have like a checklist of like, <laughs> you know, yeah. is it, is it realistic to say that one person is going to meet all of your standards? I don't know. You can talk a little bit on that, yeah.
0: but. So I love this conversation as, as, as you can tell, like I could talk about this forever, but um, here's the thing. A lot of us have standard lists that are just not serving us that are totally surface level. Mm -hmm. that have a bunch of stuff that like actually doesn't matter. So what I would challenge you to do is create a standard list that's based on how you want to feel in a relationship and what it would look like for you to feel that way. So when when you think about your core desired emotions as your North Star, redesign a standards list that, that uses that because that's actually what's most important.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you talked a lot about um, like curiosity and this like palm open concept, which I think you kind of just touched on, you know, not going into a first date or a coffee date with these expectations of I'm going to marry this guy or he's going to be the one, but really just staying open and curious about how he could potentially fit into your standards list. So let's talk a little bit about that palm open analogy.
0: Yeah, this is so funny. I don't know how this came to me, but it was this idea of um, trying to catch a bird and a bird is your partner. And if you have your palm open. And then as soon as a bird lands, you squeeze it and you hold on to it. And you have this anxious attachment style. You're like, don't ever leave me. The bird is going to say, forget that I'm out of here. I'm never coming back. Right. Right. And then with avoidant attachment style, you have your palm open and the bird lands in your palm. And then you're like, shoo, get out of here. I don't want anything (laughs) to do with you. The bird's also not coming back. But then you have open palm, and you're simply curious and you're open and you're welcoming. The bird can come and go. And that's the foundation of secure attachment. Secure attachment is freedom, it's Mm -hmm. not pushing away, it's not holding too tight. It's freedom, it's openness, and it's curiosity. And, and curiosity is such a superpower when, when we can be so curious about ourselves and say, well, how do I feel when I'm with this person? Right? Like, that's why I always talk about becoming a love scientist, like Mm -hmm. be curious. How do you feel when you're in the presence of this person and then be so curious about who they are, because that's the beauty of dating. That's the fun, the joy, the excitement is you don't know this human, you're, you're getting to know them and you're saying, huh, do I like the way that I feel when I'm with them? Are they someone I could see myself building a long-term partnership with? Um, when we try to predict and we assume, or we're catastrophizing or expecting the worst case scenario, we take out all the fun of dating and it's miserable and we hate it. And that's, that's so many people. So, I I just don't want that for people anymore. Like you need to be able to enjoy your dating life.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think about the woman who's listening, who's maybe been in kind of that season of like, you know, generalizing that all men are bad men because of like past experiences or past relationships. And after listening to this episode, she kind of realizes like "Mm, that narrative or that belief no longer serves me. And she's starting to feel re-inspired. just get back out there and try it and I I love that take you know stay curious stay open and make it fun right you know I think a lot of people put so much pressure on it because I think it comes from those expectations versus when you just kind of no pressure approach it while also understanding your standards and knowing your standards just makes it more fun like you said and more enjoyable
0: Yes. And this goes, and and maybe we'll talk about this, but this goes um, hand in hand with the idea that you have to surrender to the fact that this person is available to you Mm -hmm. and that there's actually an abundance of people who would love to build a great relationship with you. So it's that abundance mindset. And I think once you have that, that allows you to have that open palm and to let go of expectations and have that clarity on your standards because you know, it exists. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people have beliefs that it, it doesn't exist or that they're not worthy of it. Right. So knowing you're worthy of it, knowing it exists will, will help you with being curious and having no expectations.
1: Yeah. And something you talk a lot about in your book is like when you do surrender and when you do believe that there is more open, securely attached people out there waiting for you, that relationship out there waiting for you, then you just start to see them everywhere. And you're like, where have these people been all my life? Like, you know, I've been in so many crappy relationships or, you know, not positive relationships. And now here I am like in abundance of people who are ready and available for me. And I think a lot of times people continue to chase emotionally unavailable people and then it can just be frustrating. So for the one who's listening, Like she's doing the work. How does she know that, or how does she find the other person who is available? You know what I mean? Like, I know we talked about like surrendering, but does that make sense?
0: Oh, completely. And this is where the part about becoming a love scientist is so helpful. Um, You'll want to gather the data. And when you start showing up securely attached and emotionally available, you'll be able to tell right away who's matching you in that way. And then since you don't have expectations and you have high self-worth and you have great beliefs about yourself and you know that a great relationship is available to you, you'll be able to walk away from that connection so much more easily than you would have in the past. Mm-hmm. So it's not that you don't meet emotionally unavailable people you still right. you still might meet them you just won't date them for very long right because you not. have that sense of self-worth and knowing <laughs> yeah the people this is really interesting when I when I really think about it the people that used to be a challenge for me as in bring it on I'll make you love me right when I had disorganized attachment and low self-worth and I would meet somebody who was emotionally unavailable it was like oh, I'll make you love me. (laughs) What happens is when you become securely attached, you're just no longer attracted to those people. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, this is not going to work. I'm not attracted to you. I know my energy is better spent elsewhere. I wish you the best.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's what I was just going to say. It's like the energy vibration within yourself. Like I even think about, you know, a morning where, like, you get up and you crush your morning workout and you carry that energy with you throughout your day. I think about relationships kind of the same way. Like, once you have that energy and that knowing of what you're looking for in a relationship, like, you don't lower the standards because yes. you know how crappy it feels.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. And you can spot it so quickly. Yep.
1: Yeah. So then part four of your book kind of moves into embodying this securely attached for life, right? So how do we grow and evolve from this like, I'm learning, I'm learning to I'm doing it and I'm living it and it's my reality
0: every single day. Mm, yes. And you know what was so funny is um this it, I think anyone who's written a book will tell you that it just changes you as as you do it. Um and I think the last that last part of the book, I really didn't understand it until maybe a year into the writing process. And for me, it's this realization that you're never arrived. You're Mm -hmm. never fully healed and the heavens open up and you're in a white flowing robe and you're like, I'm, I'm healed. I'm perfect. That that's not how life works. Right. Like it is a lifelong journey. And of course it gets so much easier and so much more fun. And you're, you're just going up the levels. Um, And and the last part of the book is, well, how do you maintain all of this healing and this transformation? And I go into embodying secure attachment on a day-to-day basis and what that looks like. And I also talk about spirituality um, and that practice of surrender And what that can look like for you and how to incorporate that in your life. Um, And and for me, that took a lot. Like it it took a lot for me to get to that place. So I'm happy I actually delayed the book because it's like that last part wouldn't have been there if I hadn't gone through the things that I did while I was writing it
1: yeah no for sure and you know even the woman who's listening who is in a relationship you know there's still work to be done like you said it's never like you just arrive, you get married you put a ring on your finger and it's like well I'm by default securely attached like there's still going to be things just like everyday life obstacles roadblocks hiccups you know curves that you didn't see coming and so it's being able to go back to those foundational steps that you were talking about of like knowing your standards and being able to identify when you're acting out of emotion and not in your securely attached version of yourself. So I think that that I haven't got to the final part of it yet, but I'm super excited to get there to just kind of learn more about you know what does it look like once you not arrive but once you become more yeah. empowered with the tools I think is what I'm looking for.
0: Yes And and what I love too, because I've helped like over 400 women at this point, and there's all these themes. And one of the themes is when you heal your relationship with yourself and your relationship life, and let's say you've attracted some healthy people into your life and things are pretty stable, you get to play in the other areas of your life at Mm -hmm. higher levels So I've helped women become, you know, the top level in their company or get a 50% raise or become a CEO of a company or like, and so they're, they're just, you're securely attached with yourself. You find your person and then you're also getting to show up in the world in a securely attached way and in a big ambitious way. And it, it makes waves in all the other areas of your life.
1: Dang. I love that. That's so empowering. And I love that perspective because it's like, it's not just about your relationship. It's also about the way that you show up in all the other areas of your life. And when you're not feeling held back or like you have to invest so much emotional and physical energy into, you know, doing this deep inner work, it projects to all the other areas of your life. So that is so fun. And I love that.
0: (laughs) Yes, me too.
1: Oh my gosh another like just fire hour long episode i i love chatting with you and i think it's just because you know so many of my listeners are women in their 20s and you know like i was telling you before it's one of two women you know it's like i'm so far behind i'm never gonna find my person or like the woman in her 20s who's stuck in a comparison trap of like well everybody else is like having babies and buying houses and like here i am little miss independent so no matter where you see yourself fit into this episode know that there's work to be done and it's uncomfortable and it's deep inner work, but go get Dr. Morgan's book because it's so good.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. And yeah, I would say to anyone who knows that they need to do this, that it's so much better to take some time and feel through the pain because mm-hmm. it is painful. I'm not going to you know say it's not like it's right. painful. It brings up a lot, but so much better to do that. And Hey, you have a framework, you have, people who've done it, who've gone before you, you have me who's done it. Um, Do that instead of living a life of suffering, where Mm -hmm. you're like numbing out the pain, you're pretending it's not that bad. You're like, I'll just be the cool aunt, or I'll just have dogs and I'll travel the world. But you're numbing the fact that your deep desire is to be in a great relationship with somebody who can be your best friend. Like, don't numb that for your whole life and Mm -hmm. be in suffering go through the short-term pain to create that life that you really desire.
1: Man, like back 60, that was, that was good. And I think that that's going to resonate with so many women listening right now. It's like, you don't have to just settle for okay, because that's what you know, like you're allowed to rewrite the narrative, to do the work, to do things differently. And at any given moment to choose choose again, right? It's like, go yes. choose yourself again, go do the work on yourself. So that way you can show up better for your relationships, your work, you know, your family, your dog, your travels, like every area of your life is going to benefit by finding that secure attachment within yourself.
0: Yes. So good. Thank you so much for having me. I love Yes, it. absolutely. We, I don't even
1: think you told us at the beginning what the name of your book was. Oh my
0: gosh. Okay. The name of the book. <laughs> I know cannot... what it is. <laughs> You can get it on Amazon. Um, It is called Love Magnet because I want you to be a magnet for love. Um, But Love Magnet, get off the dating roller coaster and attract the love you deserve. So yeah, it's an Amazon bestseller in a couple categories in mate seeking, which I thought was hilarious. I didn't know that was a category, but we're like- a category? Mate seeking. If you're seeking a mate, we are number one. (laughs) (laughs) So, <laughs> hell, yeah, I love That's that, right? <laughs> like, all right, let's go. so um, go, go get your copy. It's on Amazon, sweet. And like I said, it's such like a tangible book. It's a easy read with a
1: lot of deep work. And so really taking your time to go through it. I kind of like rush through it once, not rush, but brush through it once. And I'm going to go back and, you know, really take intentional time with exercises. So super excited. Thank you, Dr. Morgan. The work that you do is so important and so impactful. And I know my built to you community loved our last episode. So I will make sure to link that in the show notes as well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely